1: Love, Talk Radio.
2: Good morning. Hi, I'm Jody Mullen, and welcome to Freakishly Well-Behaved Kids. This series of podcasts is dedicated to helping parents and other people who are connected with children help children behave and be their best. I'm, I'm in a unique position to share this with you because I've been a child counselor and play therapist for over 20 years. I'm also a mom. And many of the lessons I've learned have been from um, my child clients and my own children. And so these are lessons that have informed my parenting as well as um, parent coaching that I do. And it's just part of my clinical practice in talking and consulting with parents. I recognize in working with thousands of children and their parents that there are some simple principles for parenting. I'll cover more than 20 principles for blissful parenting so you too can have religiously well-behaved kids. These principles are simple and life-altering. They will change and enhance the relationships you have with children, how children feel about themselves, how you feel about yourself around children, and improve your overall parenting esteem. In this podcast, I'll talk about a specific principle or lesson and how you can apply it. There will be special guests, and we have one today, that will further our conversations about parenting and children. you want to... For my upcoming book, Blissful Parenting, and check out my website, www.integrativecounseling.us, and follow me on Twitter at Dr. Jody Mullen and on Instagram at uh, Dr. Jody Mullen, too. One more thing I'm really excited to tell you guys about uh, Naughty No More, which is a workbook I created with my kids and my husband to help make kids make good decisions. It's available now and it's super easy to order. You can get your copy by just calling Integrative Counseling Services at 315-342-9255 or visiting um, www.integrativecounseling.us. Indicate that you listen to the show and uh, we'll give you the book for a discount. We'll be talking about, um, in this podcast, we'll be talking about play therapy. My special guest for today's show is uh, my friend, sidekick, mental health counselor, play therapist, mom, grandma, uh, June Rickley. And we're addressing, we talk all the time about being play therapists and what we learn from play therapy, but we realize um, that we've never talked really about what play therapy is and how it works. So that's what we're talking about today. Welcome, June.
1: Hi, Jody. Thank you. <laughs>
2: so this is our love and our passion um, and really has informed so much of what we do and who we are. So, um, you know, when when June and I were setting up the podcast, uh, June remarked to me, um, how are we going to do this in a half hour? I'm not sure. So (laughs) um, so we'll, we'll probably... Um, this, like many of the other ones that we talked about, will only touch the surface. But we thought it was really important to just let people really know what play therapy is and how it, and a little bit about how it works. Um, more and more uh, people are who bring their children to counseling uh, that are recognizing that the kind of counseling approach that the mental health professional is using is play therapy. So we thought it'd be important to talk about that. Sound good, June?
1: Sounds good, Jody.
2: Okay. So first of all, um just in terms of what play therapy is, is that it is a therapeutic approach to working with people, not necessarily just children, um, but most of the time you're going to see um, play therapy being used with children. Um, it also can be adapted and used um, when you're working with adolescents or adults, the um, intellectually challenged population, um, the elderly. So there's a lot of different models of play therapy and uh, out there, but the ones thing that play therapy has in common, regardless of of the approach that the the really specific approach that the person is taking, is that play is viewed as a mode of communication, and that is super important, especially when we're talking about working with children. And that's what we're going to really focus on today. Even though we could talk about um, adolescents, adults, the elderly, et cetera. but we're really going to focus on um, play therapy with children. And so. Um, so play is regarded as a form of communication, which is really important if you think about the way that children communicate, which we've talked about before. Uh, June, anything to add in? You know, just on
1: that on that whole. Idea? Well, I I think exactly, Jody. I, I I think most people and me included, way back before I I really studied play therapy, I didn't really give play the um, let's see. the the credibility, the, um, the recognition as being like a really rich um, source of communication. And I, and I, I don't think I was alone in, in kind of looking at it as like, oh yeah, my kids are over there playing, but it's so rich and it's so amazing to watch how kids communicate um, all, all different things, so many different things. And because it, the way they communicate it's developmentally appropriate so it's the way they communicate right. best yeah so
2: so when you're a- I mean, and you all of you who spent any time with children know this, is that if you watch a child play, you'll learn a lot about what their experience is and their perspective and their life. And so as play therapists, we're really trained, and a key word here is trained. Um, it's not just something we can read about in a book. Um, although a lot of people, and this is very important for you to know, a lot of uh, mental health professionals will say they do play therapy if you're bringing your child to somebody who's doing that, you want to know that they're a credentialed play therapist because um, it's one thing to read about play therapy. It's another to go through the arduous kind of training process that it takes to become a credentialed play therapist. Um, it'd be similar to saying that, you know, I read a book about hyp- hypnosis and now I know how to do it. You really need to have the practice and that applied um component of it. So we're really advocating for that. I I would never recommend um, taking somebody um, to, t- taking your, particularly your child to a mental health professional who does play therapy but isn't credentialed. So I really want to emphasize that part.
1: But along with what you well, was saying in terms, go ahead, June. No, I, well, what I was going to say is the way that um you know to to kind of piggyback off that the way that we we um look at play is that it's a it's a language and so in order for us to be able to understand and be fluent in that language it makes sense that we would need special training
2: right Absolutely, yes. I'm really glad that you you said that. And it is, and that's the way that we look at it, that we really do look at that play is a language that children um, use. And with really little children, you can see that sometimes um, that would really make a lot of sense in terms of, well, they don't really have the kind of verbal capacities that we do um, as adults or even older children have. But one place that, you know, this is a question a lot of parents um, pose to us is when they're saying their children needs counseling and it's maybe a four or six, seven-year-old, and we tell them that the approach we're going to use with their child is play therapy, um, they say, oh, oh, you know, but that my child is very verbal and articulate and very smart, and, and they just, they'll talk if you, you know, they'll talk for, to you. And so... June, can you talk a little bit about um, why we still use play therapy with those children who are, you know, have full command of their uh, expressive language?
1: Well, because they can, they can be. That's that's very possible that they can be extremely intelligent children, but they don't yet have that cognitive. Um, they lack the cognitive skills and the verbal, like, um, ability to be able to express um express like really complex things like feelings in those terms but what they can do is express those things in 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 play, through their play
2: yeah And so although a a child may be able to really maintain like a full-blown verbal kind of conversation, um, you know, with another child, with adults, and and they may be really insightful and bright and all of that, is that there are certain things that children, and and this is where it gaps through um, adolescence and adults, is that there are sometimes they're just really struggling for the words to express what they're experiencing um, or have experienced. So a lot of the children that we work with have experienced trauma. And anybody out there who has experienced a trauma knows that it's very difficult to put that experience, the internal experience of trauma into words. And so what happens in play therapy is they show us rather than they tell us. Um, And that is a really, that can be really difficult Um, to understand, not just from parents or educators, but also even other mental health professionals, is that in play therapy, much of what we learn about the child and how to work with the child and what the child is going through comes from our observations and understanding of what they're communicating to us through their play.
1: Exactly. And even just... You know, not necessarily um, in in discussing trauma at this point, but just as, let's let's just give like everyday play as an example. And I I, I think um, I have a good example of how children, even if they're not, even if kids aren't clinical, um, you know, even if I'm not working in with them in in you know clinical practice, children generally just they play what's happening in their lives. And I, I was recently um babysitting my great niece and she's two years and, and four months and I love the monitors they have nowadays where you can watch them when they're <laughs> supposed to be sleeping taking their nap and stuff. And I was watching her and listening to her. And what was really cool is she was playing out what was happen- what happens in daycare and she she was lining up all her little stuffed animals and dolls and she was putting them in a circle and she was and she had a book and she was actually kind of mimicking what was on in daycare and actually she put one of the little figures to the side and she and I heard her say, He not listening (laughs) (laughs) And it was I sat there and I watched and I thought, Oh my gosh, this is such a perfect example of and I mean she's a bright, well adjusted Um, little two and almost two-and-a-half-year-old, but it was a perfect example of how she was playing out like this is her life. She goes to daycare, and this is one of the things that happens there.
2: Yeah, that is – that is a perfect example, and it really just you know highlights that if we and that's the other thing when we're moving um, at our you know sort of pace as adults with all the verbalizations that we use, we miss that we we miss that there was a communication there, and you know and because um, of of how play works, it's you really have to be paying attention, and that's the other thing that happens in play therapy. It's typically a one on one situation and we're really paying attention to the uh, intricate play that the child is doing and so we're learning not just like what their life is like but how they feel about um certain things and where they they're anxious and where they're excited and where where they feel proud so those are really important parts of what we do and so sometimes you know parents will say like well you know, we really want you to talk with them about this. That's probably the most common comment we get with regard to that, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but so, but we're not, um, as play therapists, we're not essentially going to focus on those kind of things because our belief is that they're going to show it to us and communicate it to, to us, and then we'll be able to respond to them where they're at with it. And so that might sound a little bit like, well, that doesn't make sense if the child is having trouble with aggression. Don't you address the aggression? Well, the way that we see it is the, that the aggression is coming from something and that if we um, sit back and watch their play and um, honor their play is that we'll learn enough about what this aggression is connected to and respond to it um, in a therapeutic way that the child will then gain insight and want to change their behavior. So
1: it's, exactly. You know, it's it's kind of from. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. It's kind of from the inside out instead of just kind of like a, a like a I don't know. If this is going to make sense, but like a topical thing. Like, okay, we'll correct this behavior. Well, we're kind of going to the inside. That behavior may be corrected in the end, but we're we're kind of going we're we're going um, we're going inside and and getting to the root of it. And um, you know, and I think you, you, when you said before about um, you know parents who want us to talk to their children, and 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 we sometimes get the opposite. We get um, parents misunderstanding that too, thinking like that we absolutely will not talk to any talk <laughs> exactly. therapy with this child, and, and which is totally not, um, you know, that that's not true. If a child wishes to communicate verbally and is able to do. Um, to do that, of course, we, we honor that. We honor what, wh- however that child wants to express themselves and is able to express themselves.
2: Yeah. And I think it's sort of like, I, I mean, another way to put it is that, you know, and when we're talking adult to adult, we recognize when somebody rolls their eyes or tilts their head or makes, you know, a gesture, you know, with their uh, large arm gesture, for instance, and that that is all part of... And similarly, that's what we're doing play therapy. But we're also um, adding in the play, so kids can talk and play and move around and you know, all, all there's just all these other things happening, and we view all of them. Um, so
1: I, it's, I, I, it's... <laughs> go ahead. Sorry, Jody. There's like this delay here, and I keep I feel like I keep interrupting you. I'm sorry. Well go ahead you were going to say something. <laughs> I was just going to say kind of like um explain a little further how um how that example I gave of of my my great niece how being able to play out past experiences that's how children like and and this was just one example a very innocent example but that that is how kids actually through their play make sense of things that in their world that they're not able to understand completely if it was if it's presented in the adult you know, in the in adult terms.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I, I that's exactly um where what I was thinking too is that um that's where the healing happens for so for kids who have hurts, and all of them you know we've all in even in small ways uh, we're kind of wrong there's children um so if that's where the healing happens and also learning happens and processing happens and it, it's just um a, a really amazing thing to get to watch that um as a play therapist, where um you know I'm creating and just creating this this atmosphere where that can happen um and that's happening. Um, so that happens all the time when children fight. So even when they're playing outside of play therapy, healing and processing and learning and all of those things get to happen, it's just now in play therapy, there's also a professional who's been, you know, trained to really focus on that, um, really allows for that to happen at a, at a therapeutic level. And that's one of the differences between like, well, why can't my child just get better from, you know, or, or. Uh, manage their anxiety, or get through this moving, or whatever it is, through just playing. Well, they they can to some extent, but when it requires therapeutic intervention, that's that's what takes it to a different level.
1: Exactly, and and what you just said about like the setting, and and the only the only way a child is going to feel safe enough to um, to bring some of these feelings and experiences out through their play is if they feel um like accepted if they know it's it's safe that um you know that that they they have this trusting relationship with the play therapist yeah and and one of the things in
2: this um, specific kind of play therapy approach that um June and I use and um just for your knowledge it's called child centered play therapy um is that we really start off with this real very permissive Um, opening. So when children first start working with us, they know that this room is a very special place that they can do almost anything and the key is almost. We don't let them harm themselves, harm us, destroy property, but they're told they can do almost anything in the room and that they can say anything. Um, And it's just really remarkable what children, and some of you may be like, oh my gosh, you'll let them say anything, but it's really remarkable what things children don't think they can say. So those can be uh, you know words like drunk or penis or hate or whatever um and they don't think they can say those things but when they're in, when they're told that they can in this room and they won't get in trouble what allows uh that allows that safety to be created and I remember you know even doing a um like a pretend session with my daughter when she was about uh six years old um as a that I could use as a demonstration for some of my students, and and I said, you know, I'm going to say the opening, which is what we call it. Um, and so I said, you know, to my daughter, um, you know, Leah, this is a very special room right now, and um, when you're in this room with mommy, you can do almost anything. If there's something you can't do, I'll tell you. You can also say anything, and she was shocked <laughs> that she could say anything. She <laughs> She said, you know, she tested it out, and she said, you know, like, poopy pants, and I was, you know, because at home, that's something that she would say. So, you know, I, you know, sometimes parents get worried about what children will do or say in there, but it's really just things that they're trying to sort of manage, um, you know, that about. And and actually, I'm thinking about, a, you know, another just a good example was um, because I did play therapy with my own children while they were growing up, which is called celial therapy, Um, is one of the things that I remember my daughter playing out was um, she played, she was playing the mommy and that she was going to work and she wanted me to play the daughter and be, and she wanted me to be mad about mommy going to work. And so it was right there. Sort of, yeah, I was not, I was like, okay, there we have
1: it. That's a great example.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And so, and I think like that's, that's it. And that's what, um kids are able to do all the time so although it wasn't you know um getting in the way of her sleeping or socializing or growing in any way it was it was you know she didn't really like it that i was going you know when i would go to work and that's that's all that we got to see so so there's those moments all of the time the other part that's really important for you all to know is that when that happens one of the things that we do in terms of our response to children is we name feelings so this is going to sound a little uh this might be a little bit interesting but one of the things that happens in um child-centered play therapy when it's done by a credentialed professional is that your child starts to learn about how they're
1: feeling. Um June would you talk a little bit about that? Well, it's it's uh, what we do in play therapy one of the um one of the I guess the skills and techniques that we use is that we reflect the child's feelings. So in paying attention to their play and in observing them and being connected to them, um, we reflect back to them the feelings that we see um, expressed in the playroom. And this, so if, for an example, if we, if you have a child who is, if I have a child in the playroom and they're struggling with something and it's driving them crazy and they're getting really mad because they can't do something and super frustrated that's what i'm reflecting to them as they're as they're struggling you're really frustrated you really wish you could get that and so i'm kind of giving them the words so that they can eventually they'll be able to feel this like angry frustrated feeling and know like oh so that thing i've been that thing i've been doing that's called frustration that's called you know Upset. That's called confused. All of those things. So hopefully, then they're able to connect the word with the feeling and get a better sense as get a better sense of what that's called, and and hopefully be able to express it in more pro-social ways than you know maybe throwing the toy across the room because they can't get it.
2: Yes. Yeah. And that it's so important. I, I really want to just be, emphasize what June is saying here. It's we're not talking about. We teach them feeling words. The feeling word for what you're feeling right now is frustrated, and we don't we don't do that. And we challenge no, no. them <laughs> And we don't ask them, are you feeling frustrated because you can't get the cap off the marker? No, we're not asking that. Um, We're not having them point to a list of uh, feeling faces or pictures of other kids' feelings. We're simply taking the information that they're communicating to us through their play and facial expressions and um and verbalizations and and naming that that they feel, and what happens is without even directly teaching them the feeling word is that they start to learn that that's oh, this feeling that I'm having on the inside that's called frustration, and then they start using that word and i I remember working with uh, a little i mean really little i think he was remember number two like all not even a two year old um encounter mm-hmm. and the little one he you know they were this little one he was in diapers and he walked into the playroom and his face just lit up you know the way toddlers faces do (laughs) and and I went you're so excited to be here and then um, he in his little toddler you know way went I'm so excited and you know so right there it was adorable so right there you it, you know you see how that language gets it's the same way that language gets learned, but now they're learning feeling words and you know we've talked about um how important this is in um many of the other podcasts, but when children um are able are able to express how they feel um with words, then they don't have to act it out, and that's one of the greatest benefits of um play therapy is that once a child learns oh, this feeling is frustration, this feeling is anger, you don't have to throw something like June says or have a temper tantrum or give you attitude, whatever it is. They can say, I'm frustrated, I'm mad, I'm upset. Um, and that is definitely a, a really nice sort of um, like uh, bonus that happens during the process.
1: Yeah, and it's, and it's really cool in play therapy that, um, you know, I, I can be seeing the child for several sessions, and and again, I'm connecting with his experience or her experience. I'm getting, I'm I want to put myself in their world as they're playing and observe them, and and kind of like, and and like we said, reflect back to them what they're feeling. And the cool thing is that I might have like three or four sessions where the same feeling is expressed. Maybe that frustration, the child continues to express it by. Being angry, throwing the toy, but what's cool is all of a sudden you'll have a session where if where all of a sudden that child will actually say the word that you've been reflecting, and it's one of those moments where you go, Wow, they really they they got this, yeah,
2: yeah." And that and that happens. They generalize that outside of the playroom too, and and that's where you really see the change happen. Is that they can tell you, you know, I, I had a, my mom say to me the other day that her, you know, her little two and a half year old who um, actually has a language delay, um, and so he really struggles with expressive language. Um, anyway, that he um, was mad and he said, "I angry," you know, just like that. <laughs> But it's a word that we've said a bunch of times, not he said it. He showed me he's angry in session. And so what happens is every time he does that, I'll say, like, oh, you're really angry about that or you're really mad about that. And and I think it's important for, um, you know, folks to know is that we're not we don't do this very lightly either. Um, you know, I, I don't, when I'm reflecting and when June's reflecting how children feel, it's really based on one, our training and education um, and learning how to um, read children. So it, we don't go into it lightly, like we don't um, put feelings on them in that way. But when, but sometimes we get it wrong. And so there are times where we'll reflect the feeling to a child and And we missed it. So we'll say, oh, you're really sad about that. But they're not sad. They're mad. Um, What is so wonderful about children is that they will tell you when you're wrong. So even if they Mm -hmm. aren't able to say, I'm not not sad, I'm mad, they might go, like, not sad. You know, so then we're like, oh, I get it. It's mad. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, you know. So, and these are things and and you know, maybe this is a good idea for what we can talk about you know in our next podcast. These are things that really parents, teachers, daycare providers, anybody who's you know connecting with children can do with children, and it improves your relationship and If we could just use our last maybe minute to talk about oh no. No, it's not going to happen. I mean, they, so maybe that's what we do in our next podcast is talk about how that improves relationships. Um, and June, can you just do a quick 30-second preview on why that um,
1: would improve a relationship? Uh, how? Oh, well, because you're actually in, in being able to um, – uh, oh, I have a hard time, like, uh, c- cutting down what I'm going to say, but um, – <laughs> I, I guess the skills of reflecting feelings and can it, it, they they allow the other person to know that that you that you accept them and you understand them and that you validate their feelings.
2: Perfectly done. Yeah, I mean that that's exactly it. You nailed it. Is that like when you can when we do that with our children when we say you're really embarrassed that that happened is um, rather than like it's not a big deal. Um, they know that we are really listening to them, and it improves our relationships with them and that's true not just with children that's true with anybody. If we're able to honor, acknowledge, and even and give words to their experience of feeling word, it improves our relationship. so i I think actually that's a really um good thing for us to to talk about um in our next podcast. so Agreed. We knew we would run out of time <laughs> so, thank. June um I definitely is going to be on the the relationship. So, um thank you all for joining us and thank you so
1: much, June. Thank you, Jody. It's always fun to do these.
2: Okay, I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.
0: It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper?